thing like other like Modern Families cast sits around listening to their own theme yeah, music. Yeah, they get pumped up. To... <laughs> hey, hey! <laughs> and that's what the Simpsons cast did too at the beginning. They'd just be like, The Simpsons! 8765432281! Alright. Hello! Welcome to Blue Sky, episode 4. I am Adil. And I am Jono. And we'll be hosting you today. That's and, an... and every day. And every episode. We'll Not be... every day. I got any days off. That's true. Every episode. Every day that we do this, we'll be hosting. Yeah, yes. that's clear. We're yeah. a very clear podcast. Yeah. We like to go thorough. We have to manage expectations. Yes. Uh, when I leave this apartment, we don't talk. <laughs> <laughs> have you been, man? It's been so long. It has been. Yeah, I saw you yesterday. Um, it's been a day. It's been a day. Um, all right. So I guess we should talk about a little bit what it is, even though it's been four episodes. And if you haven't listened to the first three, what are you doing? Um, this episode, this show is called Blue Sky because it basically is us throwing ideas at a wall. That's what Blue Sky is when you're uh, in the writing process. The Blue Sky stage is when you just throw ideas at a wall and you come up with a script by just doing that. And what we do in this uh, podcast is we pick a prompt from the bowl. Uh, it has five ideas from me, five ideas from Jono. Different genres is what we're doing right now mostly. Uh, whatever genre we pick. Our goal is in this episode, we are going to write a five to six page, last one was seven, uh, page script. So like a short film, basically. That's our goal, a short film uh, that has a beginning to end. And it's a first draft of that script. It is raw. It is unhinged. It is literally ideas thrown at the wall. And since we're being very clear in this episode, <laughs> we're not throwing them at an actual wall because oh, no, yeah. ideas are invisible, uh, intangible objects. We're, the wall is just sort of the air between the two of us, and then that's going to eventually make it into a script. No walls have been harmed in the making of this show. Not a single animal, only us. Wall's not an animal. What's that? I said no walls were harmed. No walls. I thought you said animals. No, no walls were harmed in the making of this episode. Damn. I'm Way to be clear. My, losing my mind, maybe? We haven't even started yet. All right. Okay, let's go right to it, yeah? Let's do it. The prompt. We're going to reach into the forsaken bowl of prompts. Uh, I don't know what a deal wrote. A deal doesn't know what I wrote. I am not going to look because I know we use two different pen colors. And uh, if this is your first episode tuning in, uh, you will not know that I'm notoriously bad for picking the hardest <laughs> or they, most similar ones. But the most satisfying ones when we finish them. We were pretty happy about the musical in the end, so let's just see what happens. Okay, Forsaken Ball, I have a piece. Can you tell whose it is? Yeah, it's mine. <laughs> Shit. And then you get so nervous every yeah, time. Yeah, well, I didn't put any comedy in this time because I feel like we we have that dialed in. I'm yeah. not I'm not afraid to do comedy. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Your face says it all. What is it, man? Family. Is there a second half to that paper? No, it's just family. Okay, I had family drama in mind, so okay, that cool. works out. Cool. Okay, family. All right. Uh this is the blue sky part. Family. Family. And, and okay, but here's the thing. You said you didn't put comedy, but... We it, can. It, I, I it think, could be a comedy. I think that it, even a family drama would have a bit of comedy because you need to, like, have the sort of camaraderie of, yeah. of uh, a family and, and have the release of the tension. So that makes sense. Yeah, that's kind of different because, I mean, because there's family comedies and family dramas. And then, right? Like, there's the two... You know what movie comes to mind? Have you ever seen... Let me double check if that's the name of it. Yeah, have you, yo, this is one of my favorite family and drama comedy. Yeah, they're usually drama yeah, comedies. Yeah. Uh, unless I was thinking Cheaper by the Dozen, that's a comedy. Right. But drama comedies, have you ever seen This Is Where I Leave You? No. Oh, man, it's uh, Sean I... Levy. You know Sean Levy, the director? Yes. Uh, I so couldn't name a, a single film. He's a producer on Stranger Things. Um, he directed uh, Free Guy. He directed uh, Adam Project. He's directing the next Deadpool. Um, and he was uh, so before he did all these big budget things, he he did this indie family drama. And again, I say indie, but you know what the cast was: Jason Bateman, Tina Fey, Adam Driver, Corey Stahl, Jane Fonda, Roseburn. Wow, when was this made? Uh, Twenty fourteen. Damn, it, it's so good, man. Wow, it, it, check it out. I don't, do you like like those feel good Wes Anderson family drama kind of stuff? Yeah, I I, I don't love Wes Anderson. I respect and admire uh, the dedication to his craft that he and his collaborators have. But 
it might just be the contrarian in me that's like, it's like fucking <laughs> it's so mainstream. Almost so now. many treatments with the fucking symmetrical frames, and it just seems a little bit like easy for me. I guess. Have you seen all of his films though? Uh, Rushmore. I've s- actually don't think I've seen Rushmore. Darjeeling Limited. I, like I, I love Darjeeling Limited. I love Bottle Rocket. So good. Uh, Royal Tannenbaum's is obviously really cool, but um, didn't really quite resonate with me. Grand Budapest. Grand Budapest, Overrated I, did not, I did not see it. Oh, you didn't see it? Yeah. See, so I, I'll be very honest. I, I, only because I like this because I was you, and I was like, Wes Anderson's all right. Like, he's cool, but I had only seen, like, I don't know. I don't even remember what I – I think Darjeeling Limited and maybe one other film, and I just kept seeing references of his, and I was like, I get it. Yeah. And even Grand Budapest, the first time I watched it, I'm like, this is really good, but I watched it with that glaze of everyone saying, it's the fucking most genius thing I've seen in so long. So that glaze was kind of – not letting me see through it almost, you know? Yeah, yeah, But yeah. then I went and I did this, and I do that with directors once in a while. I'll pick a director uh, and I'll just binge everything from start to finish they've ever made. Rushmore. Oh my God. And that's the thing, you respect them because you're like, this is your second film. Yeah. Then And Bottle Rocket was your first. So then you're like, you have this respect. And then you watch Royal Tenenbaums. You're like, oh my gosh. Imagine your career figuring this out. Like right. I'm literally in my head thinking what this guy was must have been feeling making these, right? Then he goes and makes like a flop, like uh, Life of Aquatic. Uh, oh yeah, I didn't. Whatever. I saw that and was like, okay, this is gorgeous. Yeah, it's yeah. beautiful and so whimsical. But I'm just like, I don't yeah. care about this depressed sailor dude. Like, but but again, because I watched it in that order, I even the flop. And not, I'm not saying it's a good movie. All of a sudden, it's still you're like, oh, it's weak in in moments and stuff. But you're like, it's just interesting to see that he took a risk. It's such a different mm. world he started. Mm. He he literally did. He you know Jacques Cousteau. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a little bit of homage to him. Right, right, right. right. Uh, do you say homage or homage? Uh, I would say homage. On Mondays and. And then sometimes homage. Yeah. If I'm homage. like feeling more duty, I'd be like, yeah, homage, <laughs> yeah, bro. Homage. Um, but yeah, sorry. Long story short, I think you should give Wes Henderson a marathon. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. Maybe. I I feel like I owe a lot of people marathons, mm-hmm. but like that's not what I think of when I think of family. Like that's like. Yeah, of course, there's a lot of family themes in there, but, like, I think of Hook, for example. Oh, I'm thinking literally family. Like, it's based around a family. Oh, I'm thinking, like, the genre that is Disney Plus. Right. And, like, things. But that said, I recently watched Hook. Didn't hold up. I fucking love that movie. Spielberg. Yeah. And I feel like maybe we talked about it, not on this, but I guess he doesn't like it either. There's just I don't know when you when you kind of rid yourself of all the fond memories you have as a kid watching that movie and you realize like Peter Pan stayed the same. It's like fucking what's his name Matthew McConaughey in uh, Days and Confused. Like he stays in high school and the girls like the girls yeah, yeah. stay the same age as he gets older or whatever. Peter Pan's always this kid and he's like you know constantly visiting Wendy until she's an old person and then he's like oh who's this young little thing in the bed. And then kind of like decides to kiss her granddaughter who's a fucking sleep, doesn't even know that he's there. And then he stays and then this he becomes a lawyer or whatever. I don't know. Wait, Wait that's it, what Hook? Oh, right. Because Hook is like uh, like Peter Pan as amnesia of being Peter Pan. Yeah. And he's like a high-powered he lawyer a different and, doesn't, life almost and doesn't, or whatever. Uh, doesn't involve with his family so much. He's neglecting his kids. And then they all get abducted by Hook. The kids get abducted, and then he has to go back and, and become Peter Pan again. He has to become Peter Pan. Again. I'll be as Robin Williams, right? I'll be very honest, man. Again, on paper, that's a really cool idea. It's Peter Pan without. Uh, it's an yeah. amazing idea. Because I, I forgot that's what it was about. Yeah, and it was really fun. And like I quoted it forever, and like <laughs> I I have fond memories of it. But then when I saw just like the is story, it the creepiness? It is kind of the. Is that what really put you it, off? It did. Uh. It did. And then there was just other things that just didn't. Hold on. I don't know. I can't quantify it any more than that because I think maybe I saw, uh, I, I started seeing it through a different lens. But, but again, it was a big movie to you growing up. It was huge to it me. It wasn't to me. Up. So maybe. And like the Santa Claus. I mean, these are all fucking Christmas movies, <laughs> but like the Santa Claus. Um, Does it hold up? Holds up great. Okay. Yeah. The original one holds up great. Um, what else? You ever watch Road to El Dorado? No. That's a cartoon movie, but that's a great fucking cartoon movie. Mm. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. So. Here's, we got to figure this out because that's interesting. You are right. That's the family genre. I was just thinking, because I were family drama. And again, this movie, this is where I leave you. It now makes no sense because that's definitely not family from what you're saying. This is where I leave you that drama I'm telling you about with Jason Bateman and all them. It's about a family meeting, uh, coming together because their dad died. And it's like a, they have to do, you know, sh- I think it's called Shiva. It's like a Jewish. Yeah, sitting Shiva. Or sitting something. Shiva, yeah. yeah so yeah. they have to sit Shiva. 
because their dad died and it's like about that week or whatever mm. i can't remember how long it takes but it's really beautiful because it's like they're all i mean it's funny too because it's bateman in them but it's like their siblings who come together after so long because of their that right their, their dad died and then it's you're seeing them in that house they have to stay in the house or whatever right so it's really fun to watch but i don't know that's what i'm thinking so what are we let's clarify that what is our prompt today so you wrote it i wrote it and with the intent of like a like a youth oriented sort of adventure film but mm -hmm. i think there's more meat in some kind of thing like that like meeting at a funeral or like a family like just like genre. a family like using the family dynamic in yeah, whatever yeah. way we can as opposed yeah. to just being like here's a here's a movie on the family channel you know yeah i i, I mean hmm. <laughs> when you say that i'm like are we gonna write high school musical right now i'm so down <laughs> yeah 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 no uh, songs though high school yeah, musical yeah. with no songs you ever watch uh the family channel film it was like they once in a while drop some really good ones like eddie's million dollar cook-off no it's about this kid though. he plays baseball um but he has this uh passion to cook and his dad wants him to play baseball it's like a really like fun movie mm. and then he has to and the, the movie leads to this moment where he has to basically decide there's a cook-off is happening and then the big baseball finals are happening mm. but they choose to go to the cook-off it's like a very like it's a cool for kids story too right? it's like yeah you just because you were told to play sports but you might want to cook or whatever it's a really cool moral in the story yeah yeah so yeah. that's again family channel but we could find something that's like family oriented mm -hmm. and then put a little bit of family channel in it maybe yeah yeah for sure do you want to make it about divorce yeah i could like, I could do some divorce talk. I could do some talk. divorce talk. Okay, so should we move into our blue sky section? All right, so this is blue sky. All right. How long did that take, first of all? That was 13 minutes. Cool. With a couple of false starts, so not bad. Okay. Um, one movie that comes to mind when you say when I, I brought up divorce, but the reason I think of that is have you ever seen Squid and the Whale? Yes. Oh, so good. Very great. Bombach. Yeah, Bombach is awesome. Yeah. Bombach, like, I feel like I put him and Wes Anderson in the same sort of. Canon. Well, Bombach was uh, a co-writer with Anderson, right, for years before, and then uh, Squid and the Whale, he wrote to be like, "Hey, Wes, can you?" Because they were buddies, and Wes was a director, and he's like, "Can you direct this?" And Wes is like, "Dude, this is the most. You, this is your story, basically. You direct it." So Wes actually pushed him to direct it. That's cool. Yeah. I like Bombach because he was like a teacher, right? And he would like hire his students mm -hmm. to help make films and stuff. And I can't remember his backstory. Um, that's pretty cool though if that's but weird though he keeps like i guess it's not weird it's none of my business but like he's often involved with the uh women that are in his movies and then oh is they he divorce because he was with jennifer jason lee for a while oh you're right and then he's with greta gerwig he's still with greta gerwig no uh i don't know because he just co-wrote uh barbie with her they could be they could be buds like you know dating and friendship don't have to be in the same thing guys and girls can be just friends they can they can there's plutonic energy um but i like bombach because there is a rawness there's a rawness to his shit you know um and that's why i like bottle rocket probably a lot more about wes anderson because it just kind of it's less measured it's less like poised and like i don't see the artifice i get more into the emotions of the family just by yeah. a bit of yeah. a raw kind of approach to it yeah that's a good point like if you compare royal tenenbaums and squid and the whale squid and the whale is like unfiltered like the way it's shot the way it looks yeah it's uncomfortable it's yeah, not whimsical yeah. at all it's Royal just like, is like oh our dad was a piece of shit but look how whimsical this whole story is yeah our dad was a piece of shit i, I want to go play tennis and yeah yeah playing dynamite very, starring very, in yeah exactly well film. that's that's a really good connection because that kind of like <laughs> that that feels yeah. the same way to me it's like uh, a less goofy like yeah, higher yeah, budget a, yeah. napoleon dynamite <laughs> Damn, man. I love Wes, but that's a funny... Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so, divorce is a, is easy fodder, for sure. So, is reunion. Reunion. Um, mm, even, like, wedding. A, a wedding, estranged, meeting, like, a, an estranged parent. Like, maybe, uh, you know, like, adopted main character meeting their their actual birth parent for the first time. Yeah. Um... Divorce seems good, and like divorce seems good. What a uh, sentence! Divorce, divorce seems like a good one because like it could just be a quick scene. Like it, we don't have to do like a crazy arc for it. Like you could do the arc within like the parents telling the kids they're getting divorced and have a conversation there, but that might get a little stale. 
Um, it's interesting because the whole short film can kind of revolve around the mom and dad breaking the news to the child. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they try to do like a like like they give the kids a fun day. So like it tries to overshadow what's actually happening. Yeah. You know, are your parents together? Yeah. Mine are not. When was that? I was 24. Oh, wow. So like fucking more than 15 years ago. That's crazy. Um, yeah, I was, uh, I'm like, uh, is my mom going to listen to this? Probably not. Um, <laughs> but I was like 24 and, you know, they seemed okay my whole life. And I remember, remember my dad came to town. Uh, we went out for pizza and he was like, yeah, you know how... Uh, Wait, time out. Your dad came to town. He came... Oh, so they, they're they they're from the East Coast. I was living oh, in Toronto okay. at the I'm time. like, he's already not at home. So how did you not notice? Yeah. <laughs> so my dad was visiting. Yeah. I ended up in six months. I was like, what's up, dad? Yeah. Well, he was like... He was not around a lot when I was in high school because he was doing university here. Interesting. Um, But anyway, he came... Wait, out- so sorry. Just like, backstory more. That means they're, they're young parents? Like when they had you, they were... No, young. they just... Like my dad like just did the secondary education later oh, okay, in makes life. Sense, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but he was, he was visiting Toronto and we were at a pizza place and I'm just like mowing down on cheese pizza that he just bought me cause I was broke as shit. And, uh, he was like, yeah, you know how we're selling the old house back home? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, well, it turns out I'm not moving into the new house. And I'm like, <laughs> so, then wh- so you're getting divorced? Like it told me everything I needed to just deduce what was happening without actually saying it in, in classic, like you know, boomer man style. No, no shade, dad. Um, I, I probably would have said the same thing, but uh, it was just really funny and and classic, like just the jilted man trying to like get the point, across. get the point across. It'd be funny if like he keeps doing it, but you don't get it. He's like, so are we moving in? So you're like, so you're going to like get, get someone else to live there. And then you mom, you and mom will go somewhere else. He's like, no. And he keeps, he doesn't want to say it, but he keeps tossing stuff at you. Just really good. So we're going to be in different houses you're gonna buy two houses no no that's not no and we're gonna have we're gonna be in different relationships yeah. i'm gonna have two moms and two dads no <laughs> well kind of <laughs> yeah um uh, yeah that's funny um that's interesting so uh, you never noticed it growing up and then they were totally fine but like we never know what people are, are yeah. vibing with behind the scenes and like parents tend to kind of shield their kids from the reality of it yeah um i like my aunt and uncle got divorced when I was a kid and that was like a pretty big thing for the kids but we were all you know early teens late like you know five six years old to early teens kind of thing like me and my cousins and uh so it was a lot harder to understand but when I was 24 it was just like are you guys okay like is everything good it wasn't like I'm devastated I'm gonna hate my parents and I remember my mom called me like ready to cry and ready to defend and like just try and nurture the whole thing but i'm like it's it's fine yeah, if you guys don't worry are, about me worry about yourself yeah don't like worry, i yeah. just want you guys yeah. to be good individually it does you don't need to be together for me to have an okay life yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what i mean as long as you guys are cool but yeah uh that's about all the details i know of that uh because i just did, did I, your mom know your dad was breaking news to you yeah so like she was like waiting by the phone she's uh, like throw out a pizza right now like it's gonna happen so is cheese pizza weird to you now do you have a Never. No? Never. It's like you stopped eating cheese pizza after that day. Yeah, every time I do it, I just have like a, <laughs> I go into a dissociative fucking yeah. Or what if like episode. every time you eat cheese pizza, you get bad news? <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's every funny. Every time you eat cheese pizza, it's like associated with some kind of bad news you get. I'm writing that down. Because it could be, that could be something like uh, cheese pizza is the meal that, is always brought in to deliver bad news. Like yeah. you could do like a wonder years kind of, uh, how, uh, what's his name? Daniel Stern voiceover just being like, Oh, and I came home that day. And when pizza. dad brought in cheese pizza, I knew something bad was coming. You could also do a boyhood thing and wonder years together where it's like five moments or four moments of this person's life. And it's always a cheese pizza. Yeah. And then it's like the progression of like his parents like divorce or it's his own relationship falling apart or whatever. Yeah. But the thing is like he fucking loves cheese pizza, like Ninja Turtle style, Ninja Turtle level, uh, adores cheese pizza. So it's always no, but- like super tempting. And he's like, uh, I, I see it like roasting in the heat lamp and at pizza Olio or whatever, but I can't go in there. Cause if I take a bite of that, something bad is going to happen, news. you know? 
So it's like a it's like a supernatural a little bit. The short. It could be supernatural, uh, or just like you know, yeah, absolute coincidence. But like, I think yeah, it might it might um, lean into supernatural what, a little bit. What about along those lines? But a little bit sim- maybe simpler, and maybe it doesn't work. But what if it's like a man divorcing his wife, and then he's uh that's like two timelines in the short so he's thinking back to when he was a child and his parents were getting divorced as he's doing it with his wife like going through his whole process mm. and it's a back and forth kind of interesting that could be cool uh <clears throat> mirrored yeah experiences like or parallel early and late life mm. um i like that too um yeah, because, like, in family movies, like, the divorce is usually, like, used to kind of, the kid is sort of the fulcrum or, like, the the focal point of that, I find, a lot of, in a lot of, like, younger-oriented movies and the parents are getting divorced and they have, the kids have to deal with the ramifications. But, like, what uh, what's an interesting spin on that? Well, how about a bit of both family and family drama or family-related is the whole film think a little bit like pan's labyrinth but not as much as dark but it's like it's in this world that this kid is going through an adventure like a hero's journey a little bit and when it ends you realize sorry is that my voice speaking it's good uh and then you realize um you realize that it was just a metaphor for him putting off talking to his parents about the divorce you know what what i mean like sorry sorry that was so not complete um, so it's like this made up world, imaginary world. He's in it. Maybe there's imaginary creatures in it. It's a very quick short about this like fantastical place. Mm-hmm. And then you find out that like when it when he comes, when he ends the f- journey, he blinks or whatever, or we kind of, the camera movement shows that he's actually just in a normal house and he was just doing this as a coping mechanism mm-hmm. as their parents are getting divorced. So it's like he, so his journey, uh, can be like him running away and hiding right so no one finds him and in this world we so in the beginning the audience doesn't know this right they're like it's like oh it's like peter pan or whatever it's like a fantasy thing and he's like hiding and he, he finds this one friend who's like i'll help you hide or whatever and then you find out at the end that his parents find him like under the bed or whatever and it's like in his mind it's like if they don't find me they can't tell me that they're getting divorced yeah that's kind of where i was i was thinking i was going along that track too kind of like is where the wild things are i've never seen that is that what it is because i just freaking quote I, I saw the movie but i'm more familiar with the book but i'm fuzzy on both i guess because <laughs> I, I think that that has undertones of some kind of trauma involving the kid man that's annoying i think that is what i'm like reading it right now and i'm like fuck it but i just I, I swear i've never seen this i didn't know that it was similar to this the story. Fo- you mean to read the plot? Yeah. The story focuses on a young boy named. This is the uh, where the what is it called? Where, where the, the wild, wild things, things are. are. Story focuses focuses on a young boy named Max who, after dressing in his wolf costume, wreaks such havoc through his household that he is sent to bed without, without his supper. Max's bedroom undergoes mysterious. Oh no! But see, in this right away, you know that he's not in a fake world. Mm-hmm. Like it's in his imagination. Mm-hmm. Uh, the wild things try to scare Max. Sorry, yeah, so he goes into his imagination. Uh, his room turns into like a jungle environment and he winds up sailing onto an island inhabited by monsters simply called the wild things. The wild things try to scare Max, but to no avail. After stopping and intimidating the creatures, Max is hailed as the king of the wild things and enjoys a playful romp with the subjects. Finally, he stops them and sends them to bed without their supper. However, to the wild things' dismay, he starts to feel lonely and decides to give up being king and return home. The creatures do not want him to go and throw themselves into fits of rage as Max calmly sails away home. Upon returning to his bedroom, Max discovers a hot supper waiting for him. Um, Some motherfucker's just hungry. He just wants his (laughs) cheese pizza. (laughs) Basically. Uh, Reading this, though, it doesn't feel like it's... I was worried it was going to be what I just said and I was going to be annoyed because, you know, when you come up with an idea and you're like, it exists out there? Ketchup Doritos exists already? (laughs) I didn't just think of that. Right. Um... But uh, I think it's different. And I think it's what you wanted, which is family genre, which is fantastical. And the audience doesn't know for the first half. And then when you come out of the fantastical place, their parents are getting divorced. Yeah, that works. Does that exist? Think about it. Is there any films like that? Because that sounds like a very generic idea now. (laughs) Uh, It is pathetically generic, but uh, maybe maybe so pathetically (laughs) generic that, that uh, that it's brilliant and it's never been touched upon. 
Think about movies, though. What the fuck hasn't been done, yeah. right? But um, you ever you ever heard that David Lynch quote? It's really nice. It's like new sc- young screenwriters are always like, "Oh, everything's already been written." It's like, sure, it has, but not by you, right? Young filmmakers say everything has been done, but I say not by you. That's really good. That's a really good David Lynch. Sign up for my transcendental meditation course. I don't know who I'm turning into there. I I'll, lost it. I channeled him for a second, but. <laughs> um, how do we feel about this idea? I feel good, but maybe there's like. More. I mean, to get it out, like the fantasy thing's cool. But like, what if like it opens on like just this kid bursting out of the door and he's just fucking running the street. And they're like, Jeremy. I don't know why all the characters are always male. Fuck God. Um, but uh, he's running down the thing. And then the kid like goes out on an adventure, like. Not an adventure, but like he's he's faced with other things. Like he meets unhoused people and meets like a fucking I don't know. Makes friends with a dog or just I, I'm I'm completely talking yeah, out of my yeah, ass because yeah. it's like fully uninformed yet. Uh, but it's more of a like real world adventure. Like he's like maybe the parents had said something like as long as uh you're under our house you you just have to go with what we or under our roof you have to go with what we decide and he's like all right well then i'm out and then like he kind of takes that too far and it's like well if i'm not here then you have to do what i say because that's the opposite of what you just Mm. said and then he runs away so his parents are focused on that not being divorced or something like that or like he's trying he's trying to fabricate a bigger tragedy or something yeah yeah but that's the thing here's I like that, but to me, especially for the short film, I'm not even, it kind of, cause it's also short film. It's like, that's very linear. Mm-hmm. He leaves and then he gets into trouble and we're like setting up stakes and he obstacles and he's like, well, if I stay in trouble, they'll stay together. Mm-hmm. I like the bait and switch of it where it's like, not bait and switch, but like that little bit of a suspense or free, or the audience not being ahead of everyone. Like what you're saying, I feel I'm worried that the audience is like, okay. I know exactly what's going on. Right, and you're We're, just you're just like waiting for the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. You're just like, okay, well, eventually it's gonna happen, and then I'm gonna get uh, get home. He's gonna get home, and I'll see the ending. Mm-hmm. But as opposed to if it starts with imagine like, and we we have fun with it. Like it starts with like a tent in the middle, and I'm just making shit up too right now. This might all change, but a tent in the middle of like a Mandalorian kind of world, and this boy walks out with like a scarf, and you he put and or he walks into a tavern, and everyone turns and they're like, who goes there? And he puts down his scarf and and then the way we write it is like it's as if the boy's writing the story where it's mm. like the and the hero's face comes to light mm. and the hero says it is i paul <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was like, trying to think of a cool name but that's amazing it's it is i paul <laughs> exactly and then uh, and then yeah and then and then you see this and then he comes sits down and then uh, they're like, would you like anything? He's like, no, I'm just waiting for a, fr- a traveler by or a friend. And someone walks in and they sit down and they go, Paul? And then he has this conversation with this guy and he's like, you know what I'm looking for? And like, you know, like it's like Han Solo or some shit or some other character trying to find like, I need a ride out of town or whatever or some kind of magical wand or what we figure that, uh, what's that thing called? The MacGuffin where it's like a random object or it's a real object like the ring from mm. Lord of the Rings where he's like, I need this ring to make me invisible or whatever, right? And now it's his journey to get that or find that or stay in trouble. And then... Oh, maybe he has... Maybe the MacGuffin is like these two fragments of an artifact and his goal is to bind them together. So he's got these two pieces that like fit together almost like a charm thing. Like, you know, the best friends or lovers charm, but they're like plates, you know, like fucking gold things. And maybe he's got to either find those and then fuse them or he has them and he's looking for like the fusing power. The, like, I don't know if you're watching Mandalorian right now, but like, no, they're, uh, I won't get into well, it, but like they, they have to like forge a new thing out of these other things. So that's the metaphor. For you watch like, Infinity War? Yes. You know, to make the, the new Thor hammer, he has to go specifically to this. Oh place. yeah. To, uh, what's his name? N- uh, Peter Dinklage is in it. Yeah. 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 yeah or yeah, one of yeah, the yeah, planets. Yeah, yeah. So it's exactly. like that. He has to go like, to this planet. He's got to go to the thing to get a specific operation done to these artifacts, but like the, the fractured pieces or whatever, by bringing them together, that's like the metaphor for like the parents are split and he's trying to put them back together. Um, I like that a lot. That I'm, could be, I'm trying to think, could, cool. uh, what's more C say 
sorry, not CC, but like, you know, if there are two things, I don't want it to be when he comes out. Because I, I like that. Now I'm invested in the two things. I don't want it to be like when he comes back to, it's like the two things aren't even, they were like in his mind. What if they're actually like uh, <laughs> divorce documents, you know, or like, you know what I mean? Like, do they actually, is this something? Or is it like when he comes back to reality, it's like, oh, it was just like his imagination, even the two things. Like they were, they were not tangible. Oh, I, I like this divorce document thing. Cause like, what if he has to like get a Han Solo type character to fly him to like the Kuiper belt so he can like get the, this, this artifact as far away from earth as possible or as far away from the planet he's on as possible. And it turns out that it, the, the metaphor is the divorce papers, you know, cause if he takes yeah, the divorce yeah, papers, yeah, 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 there's yeah, yeah. no legal, they can't do it. There's and, no legal and, thing, yeah. and like at the and maybe or he has to destroy it in a certain environment, and then at the, when you when you get that destruction in the fantasy world, it's like you cut to him in his bedroom in his fucking underwear or whatever, and like he's got the divorce paper signed in half, or like no, I love half. it. No, what I was gonna say is like if uh, if we do the whole he takes him to a planet or whatever, um, maybe it's him burying it with his dog or his friend or his Chewbacca is like his dog. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, he goes yeah. and he buries it somewhere and he still gets his friend. It's his friend's Chewbacca. dog to add another Chewbacca. character. Yeah. yeah. Chewbacca. He gets like his friend Han like type character and it's like his neighbor who has a dog. So like, that's what he's really doing. Right. right. This is for us to know backstory wise. Yeah, and yeah. then, and then um, at the ending of it all. So just to reiterate, cause I feel like me and you were on that tangent, that's the same thing, but in case anyone's confused. So it's like, you start with this kid. Sorry, you're in a fan fantasy world. It's like, I don't watch Star Wars, but I like that setting for this. Like, it's very, like, Star Wars kind of yep. town or whatever. Love fucking big Star Wars. Really? Yeah? Oh, yeah. Oh. oh, yeah. No, I never I never got into it. Anyways, that's a whole different talk. Um, well, it's uh, been fun. <laughs> Avengers? Yeah, I mean, I, I love MCU. Yeah, I love it's it. I mean, I used to love MCU, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was so cheesy, but so good. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll watch it all. Sorry. So, yeah, so he ends up, he uh, we start in a tavern. This myst mysterious character, like the Mandalorian, comes in takes off his mask and announces he's Paul, right? Everyone's like so curious. It's like the it's like the bad boy in town or bad man in town. Well, you definitely didn't watch Star Wars because if the Mandalorian took his mask off, he would no longer be a Mandalorian. So Is that a thing? It's a thing. Oh shit. It's I, I'm thing. learning. I'm learning. Okay. But um, continue. I'm sorry. But Pedro Pascal's face, you're going to hide that for how many seasons? What the fuck? I want to see mean, his face. You get his vibe. You, he's still got sex appeal underneath that chromium armor only only he can do that or mandalorian armor i should yeah. say i, I better, um, <laughs> better stay close to the three people are gonna sue right 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 to this um yeah so he comes in says i'm looking for someone uh ends up being this guy who walks in zibby zabi horrible name give me a name uh clancy clancy walks in I think it'd be it's fun to use like regular real names. world names in it, this yeah. real like I thought you were gonna go more regular sci-fi western yeah Clancy I don't know it's like it it's not it's not Nick Nick Nick's cooler than Clancy I'm just trying to think of like a, a non cool name Gus. for like an ostensibly cool character <laughs> yeah fair, yeah fair. yeah okay so let's say Clancy Clancy comes in and then they have this talk of like he's like I've heard you have the pit or whatever I I heard you know about the pit and he's like I don't know what you're talking about and they kind of talk about how there's this mysterious pit where you can go and get rid of objects mm. and uh and P paul's like and and clancy's like trying to beat around the bush being like he doesn't know and then paul raises the stakes he's like listen the entire future destination population future man of mankind relies on this or whatever and i need to get rid of this the, artifact the future of my home planet or whatever yeah. buddy yeah. yeah that's yes thank you um exactly that's what it is my home planet oh that hits that's beautiful yeah. the future of my home planet um uh, depends on this and yeah. he goes and he finally convinces him they this, go this scroll and it's yeah. like you know it's not a, not necessarily a scroll it could be like you know metallic or something cool inside or even like a, a briefcase or an envelope or I yeah don't it's know. like what can or like a, we could call it plates the sacred plate or like a you know what i mean like not a not a plate that you eat off of but like uh, Moses like, on the fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. thing plate. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, I was going to say, this might be too on the nose, but what if it is a scroll and it's basically a prophecy and he's like, I have to get rid of this prophecy because if if it's read by someone, it'll become true and my home planet will be destroyed. It's like very on the nose because it's literally divorce papers, but is that magical enough that, excuse me, if we call it a prophecy and if we make it a scroll, is it on the nose enough that you get the point or is it better to make it vague like, 
plates or mm, you know I, this it's cool i like the idea that it's a prophecy but it only will come true when read by an outside party but that would then he would have to know what's in there so in, in effect he would have read it so did he set it in motion or if it, like the more people that read it the more likely it is to become a reality so he has to go destroy it well maybe he didn't read it he just heard overheard his parents talking about divorce papers and he just picked the, swiped the envelope and ran out the house Right. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe I was just, because I was thinking, you know how like in those kind of movies where we're tricking them, there's no actual fantasy, it's like all in his head? Mm-hmm. That like there's a moment, because I wanted to, I want to sell it, even those real names, a little bit where it's like, is this a fantasy? And then at the end you find out, oh shit, it's, a, it's not a fantasy, right? Right. Um, I think it'd be fun to do that, trick the audience if we can. For because sure. Because then if he says like, at the at some point if the guy's like, let me just see it, he goes, no. Or like, if he's like, have you read it? He's like, no, I can't. And he, it's almost like a kiddish way he says it. Where you're like, as an audience, you're like, well, that was a weird reaction from like this badass. Right. You know what I mean? That'd be kind of fun. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would say goes into the tavern, meets Clancy, tells Clan- asks Clancy about the pit. And he's like, I need to get rid of this artifact. While we're writing, we'll figure out what the artifact is. Right now, we can just say it's a scroll, right? Yeah, scroll and like, what's the farthest you can get me in the galaxy? Well, no, I, I think you should call it something. Yeah, like the pit, and it's like his dogs, and maybe the neighbor has like a dog who has like this thing where he keeps digging and putting shit under it. You know how like, yeah, well, it could be like a pit bull that like is an insane digger or something. You know, like it's just constantly yeah, yeah, yeah. like there's just craters in the backyard yeah, that it's it's and that's always you, getting dirt out. Yeah. yeah. So then, and then he goes, okay, but we have to go when. And then the funny thing is, Clancy's like a kid too, so Clancy's like, we just can't let my parents see this. So then he gives him a name, like he's like, we just have to go when the watchers aren't the there. watchers, something like that, right? Yeah. And it's his parents he's talking about though. And he's like the watchers aren't there, and then um, uh, <laughs> and they're they're, they're they're maybe they're being chased, right? Like, well, I was gonna say so we don't we set up the stakes now. We have to get to this pit, so that's like our first page and a half. We should be at point where it's like stakes are. We have the scroll. We gotta get to this place. Now the journey should be another two pages long at least, if not three. What is it? Is it chase? Is it? What are you thinking? It doesn't have to be chase. It could be more of a stealth thing combined yeah. with a bit of a chase i just think there needs to be like is if it's just like a straight journey out to the pit and they and then we bait and switch there needs to be obstacle 100 100 percent. um so in reality what are the obstacles in real life and then we can make the fantasy version of it to not get your parents divorced it's, no 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 the journey to go to his backyard and bury yeah him. yeah i'm just trying to think of oh oh like the the actual practical non-fantasy aspect because then we it. can convert it easily no yeah yeah um while we chew on that, I just was looking up how to get a divorce. Jesus Christ. Uh, just to see what kind of terminology and stuff that we could get. But the Your first, Instagram ads are going to be so weird. Yeah. <laughs> Star Wars and divorce. Um, <laughs> it, the first thing that comes up, it says, it's easier than you think. Quality fast divorces since 2002. Proudly Canadian owned. Uncontested. With and without children. 100% guaranteed. Complete online in under 10 minutes. Lawyer quality without the price. Jeez, man. Okay, so to start the divorce process, you must fill out a divorce application, submit the application to a courthouse, pay the required court fees, follow any court rules and the procedure given. So that's completely useless. Yeah, if we because the thing is, you have to also remember... This is a, uh, you have to also rem- remember, this is a child's imagination. So mm-hmm. he's like, he thinks this is enough. He's like an eight year old boy. So he has to get the document. I think he should have the document already. But like, the obstacle should be the journey itself. So it could be like, we have to go, fu- okay, so I was going to say, what if it is uh, Clancy's cousin's dog, right? So he's like, we have to go get the dog. So they have to go get the beast who's chained up. The beast, yeah. And they have, have to get the beast when it's chained up when like no one's watching. And that's the pit bull, for example. Then they have to take the pit bull over this like bridge which is like from the house to the house or climb this fence or whatever and go into this junkyard maybe. and has to dig a deep a hole so deep that no one would ever find the thing yeah and that, but he's like where should we go and he's like oh we can go uh like backyard right but we find a different name for it he's like kind of like we can go in my backyard he's like no no no, we gotta go somewhere far so he's like there's a junkyard we'll give it a name and it's like where all the wasted uh automobiles go or mm. all the flying ships are stored here and they go and it's like fucking flying ships like quote unquote it's like just a bunch of junk cars yeah it's it's just a salvage and yard salvage yeah. yard yeah um and we can give it a funny name like salvaggio Sel- planet or whatever yeah right? yeah um and then con fool. So, <laughs> um and then over there again there's a, of course security guard there so they have to f- watch for that um 
and then they finally start and then he's like you have to you have to give him how much time does the beast need and he needs like maybe i don't know what's a good 30 minutes or is that too long or uh fucking i don't know because i'm like then while they're while he's doing that then they can have that moment of talking you know and like they're waiting and they maybe have a little talk with each other yeah and then i think there should be like like at the just before we go back to or before we reveal the reality of it there should be a bit of a chase like the, like they find like there yeah, should yeah, be yeah, just yeah, this yeah. looming thing we yeah, don't have yeah, to yeah. always be like a fucking you're right, you're uh, right. neck and neck race but the thing that's coming for them shows up there's a bit of a chase scene that culminates in the sci-fi thing like the kids about to get murdered or whatever or like you know when uh, Frodo has the ring uh, and he puts rings. it on for the first time and the those ring rates are like all wispy spirit things and like Gah! and they like stab him like it's like that kind of right up up to the stabbing moment and then we cut back to reality and the kids got these divorce papers okay so here's i like what you're saying i don't think you should have it i think they achieve it like he puts it in there and and then they start hearing stuff and you know what we could do is the i mean you're right the neck to neck neck uh what do you say neck to neck speed like a neck and neck race neck yeah. and neck neck to neck yeah neck and neck <laughs> neck to neck <laughs> making out neck neck um <laughs> Uh, I think it'd be interesting if like when they go to unleash the beast or at, in the beginning, they kind of create an enemy. So maybe the dog owner. And then from then on, he's always on their trail, you know? So they're always kind of escaping this guy while trying to figure out other things kind of thing. Right. Mm. Maybe that's one thing. But what I was getting to is the people, uh, the beast digs a hole. They put the uh, papers in and they start hearing noises. So they're like, quick, cover it up, cover it up. They cover it up just in the, you know, just in the nick of time. And then they start running because the guy is not, the person sees them. And they run, they run, and then they get caught, like you said. They're about to get killed. But then reality, it's like, knock on a door. And it's like, your son was uh, stealing my dog. Like, it's another person who just caught him from stealing the dog. Yeah. So that's him getting captured. Is literally like another adult, right? Um, and then what's fun is like, they go, oh, I'm so sorry. And then cut to like a dinner. And mom's pissed. And she's like giving him a lecture while making plates and stuff. And then she sits down, right? And dad's comes in and then they're like late or whatever, as usual, right? Sits down and she's just like telling him, you know what your son did today or whatever. And then you can see the argument in them a little bit. And then they go, listen, buddy, we need to talk to you. So he, they haven't told him yet even. So he just heard, like, you know, kids are sneaky enough that they overheard something and whatever. So what I'm picturing is they're like, we're going to get divorced. And he goes, you can't. And he goes, what are you talking about? And he thinks he's so smart. He's like, you can't. You don't have the papers anymore. And they're like, what, you, what papers are you talking about? And then they look over at the stand or wherever they put the papers last night. And they're like, what did you do with this? What, what did you do with the papers? And then he just goes, like his rea- retaliation is very like, so like common, like, sorry, so nonchalant being like, well, it's, it's over. You guys can't do it anymore or whatever. Like, I, don't worry where I, what I did with the papers. And, they, and then they, they get angry, but then they kind of get heartbroken because they're like, this kid actually thinks that he's making a difference by doing this. It's so sad almost, you know, like this kid thinks he saved the marriage almost by doing that. And they're like, you know, that's not how it works. And they have this whole serious talk maybe, or mm. a shorter serious talk. I, I think like I, I, I'm picking up what you're putting down, but I think there's just a much cleaner, more sort of cinematic way to do that. Cause that's a lot of explanation. So yeah. like, I would love for I, this. I just want a nice warm moment within the family. You know what I mean? But, but you could still get that. You okay, could let me still hear get yours. that. So, uh, documents buried uh they have to take off like they go i love the idea of stealing someone else's dog like i maybe it's not the cousin's dog like he enlists a cousin or, or whoever. The steal from the cousin even who like, or, whatever or, or the dog is stolen so yeah. there's a, yet another person out there looking for them the dog is like happily happy to be stolen like, they don't, <laughs> yeah. doesn't care he, he just gets to dig so it's it's awesome um it all culminates in the frodo scene or whatever and then um it's just like hard cut to him like the kid kind of cowering uh, in the shadows of these two beings back in, in reality. And he's just sobbing and he has like a sort of very poor representation of the cool uh, Star Wars gear he was wearing in the fantasy. And he's just kind of sobbing. And they're like, Paul, like, what what are you doing? Where were you? We were worried and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, are you guys... I, I was just trying to save your marriage. And like, there's obvious tension between the parents. Like there's a little thing and they kind of still don't know what's going on. And then the beast comes back. Cause like they left the beast, they ran away and they let him still dig or whatever. And the beast comes back with the divorce papers in his mouth and they're like destroyed or something. And they're like, that's how it's revealed that, um, 
it was the divorce papers that he stole or he found them or whatever, you I know? I think there's a, a middle between ours because I like what you're saying. Yours is kind of not to the point, but it's more like cleaner, like you said. I like that a lot. But my thing is there's something about, uh, heartbreaking at least, about the boy not crying because that's like you that's sad but imagine him being like you can't do it anymore like he's very like cocky almost because he's like mm. you know because then as an audience you're like oh dude that's that's not like you're like you are so about to get fucking rocked right now because you think you saved them and there's like this heartbreaking thing as an audience member to be like ah oh, poor kid or is it or is it like more interesting to have him sort of sobbing or crying because he knows it's inevitable he knows he didn't save the day he knows that people can make photocopies and like shit like that but he's like you can't do it anymore he, i destroyed the papers but like there's still this knowing um, in him so it's like extra sad it'd be kind of hard to convey that on paper i guess but i get but, what you mean though I, i'm trying to picture that right now where it's like he's still crying what do you think of okay so what do you think of the other also option where it's not because I do, like, I want to make it, like, if he got caught, like, what is it in the real world? Like, I don't want that to be in his imagination. I want it to be, like, he did get ca caught. He did get caught. But it's, like, more of, so cuts to, like, someone kind of just grabbing him in the fantasy world. And then smash cut to mm -hmm. door opens. You like that? Like, and then there's another adult being, like, your son stole my dog or whatever. And then goes in. And then when... Like I'm trying to, find, I know I'm trying to still push my thing, but I'm trying to clean it up so it gets to the middle. Because mine is pretty long. The idea I said where it's like, oh, fucking. Like this. we don't want to have to explain everything. Like it should just be like. But what if they cut? So because yeah. Implied or like, does it come back and he's in the back of a police cruiser and the parents are just outside the window yelling at each other and we don't hear them and he's just like watching them with tears in his eyes. You know what I mean? Like you don't say any of it. Like you try and. You try and just imply everything and make it very like. I'm usually a, a big a like I like that a lot. What you're saying, less is more kind of thing, because then it's like you got to fill in the blanks. I'm just worried. Is it does it hit? So if you go say let's play it out, he gets caught, smash cut to back of a cruiser or back of a parent's car who's like because he's a nine year old kid. Well, the cruiser might pick him up and be like, hey, he was like fucking loitering or whatever, but he's a nine year old is what I'm picturing, like young. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. They maybe come, they bring the kid back home to the parents. And then the parents are kind of like, what were you doing? Like you said, like they were kind of upset, but then you, cause you're saying we shouldn't have him explain like, I, you can't get divorced cause I took your papers. Well, I, I think we can, I think we can do that, but it just has to be like, you can't do it anymore. And they're like, what do you mean? I, yeah, just, yeah. I destroyed the papers. Yeah. And, but like, yeah, how do you like do it so it's not just some fucking schmaltzy parents being like, you know, your dad and I just don't love each other, but we still love you. You know, it, it, it just seems like, well, I guess that could be where the, like the family cheese comes from. Well, no, yeah, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. It's, let's find a new way to say it. Cause it's been said like that so many times and you're right. It's just being like, Oh, it's, it's not you. It's us. Okay. But Aside from the very ending, which will inevitably come up against when we start we writing. We always figure it out as we write. We always it. figure it out. So should we just start writing and then I think so. I think there? we have a couple of ending options right now. And as we write it, we'll come to maybe a, a brand new ending or one of these will merge. Yeah. Uh, like two, three ideas might merge together. All right. Sweet. Well, so, wow. Stay tuned. And now, salvage. Exterior, desert on a distant planet. A low-hanging sun dimly illuminates the alien landscape. A small hut made of tech trash and space-age tarps that flap noisily in the high winds. Two shadowy figures stand outside the hut. They speak in hushed, argumentative tones, but we can't make out the words. Soon, we see another shadowy figure, male, much smaller than the other two, sneak into the hut undetected. Interior, hut, continuous. The shadowy figure is no more than four feet tall covered from head to toe in a duster and goggles, the common garb for such an inhospitable place. He is tearing the hut apart, opening compartments and searching under scrappy furniture, looking for something. Finally, he finds a sealed box and opens it. He reaches inside and delicately reveals an ancient scroll. He examines it with relief and reverence, the waning sun backlighting this clearly sacred object. Cut to exterior desert on a distant planet continuous. The goggled figure climbs out of a window of the hut. Cut to 
exterior, outer space. A small, bicycle-like ship zips out of orbit and off-screen. Title card, Salvage. Cut to Interior Tavern, Later. Patrons of all types sit and drink away the pain of their existence. The smoky tavern is reminiscent of the Mos Eisley spaceport in Star Wars. Lizardmen, androids, space cowboys, mysterious Jedi-like people in robes. The vibe is harsh, but our hero seems unbothered and steps confidently up to the bar. He unwraps the scarf obscuring his jaw and removes his dusty goggles, revealing that we've been following a nine-year-old boy. The entire bar takes in this unexpected sight. Scrag, the elephant-like alien bartender, scoffs at him coarsely. Who goes there? A beat. I am... Paul. A lizard man with four eyes from a nearby table stands to confront him. Well, you don't belong here, Paul. The lizard man puts his hand on the lilt of a blaster with a vicious bayonet on the front. But before he can draw it, a robed man steps out of the washroom and into the tent situation. This is Clancy. Much taller and much more mature looking than our hero. Relax, four eyes. Kids with me. Interior tavern a few minutes later. Paul and Clancy sit in a corner booth with steaming hot drinks and the scroll resting between them on the table. Clancy's hood is down and we see he's no older than 16. There is a place, the salvage block. No man goes there, just some drifters of no consequence. It's not far. We'll need the beast. Clancy throws his hands in the air. Well, you can count me out. Please, the future of my home planet depends on it. Clancy laughs. <laughs> Let's hear you say that when the beast tears you limb from limb. That won't happen. Naive as ever. A beat. You know there'll be watchers. You gonna help me or not? Off Clancy's look. Cut to. Exterior, the mouth of a cave. Later. Paul and Clancy stand side by side at the gnarled, rocky entrance to a cave. Clancy glances at a nearby hut. There are lights and other signs of activity inside. We should come back at night while they're asleep. It's too risky to. It's too risky to wait any longer. After a quick beat, Paul steps forward confidently. To Clancy's horror, the young boy begins to whistle. Paul, stop it! Paul continues. You're gonna get us killed, you doofus! Two glowing red eyes emerge from inside the cave. The jingle of a massive chain echoes inside. The beast's eyes get bigger and bigger as it emerges from the cave. Boom. 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 The footsteps grow louder. Somewhere between a rhino and a pit bull, the beast is a 30-foot abomination. Blood, saliva, and sinew drip from its two rows of razor-sharp teeth. Clancy opens his mouth to scream, but only air comes out. Without hesitation, Paul scurries straight for the chaos. Paul, no! Abandoned, Clancy is a sitting duck with the gigantic beast nearly on top of him. He pulls his hands up in a weak attempt to protect himself. The beast lunges toward Clancy until it is yanked backwards by the chain around its neck. The animal is mere millimeters from Clancy's face. Clancy balks at its stinky breath but sighs with relief. Clang! Paul stands behind the beast. He's cut the chain. Ah, crap. Clancy closes his eyes and prepares for the worst. But seconds pass and nothing happens. He opens his eyes and is relieved to see Paul rubbing his tiny hands on the now docile beast's belly. He mocks Clancy. We can wait till nighttime. Clancy is about to retort, but the beast's owners have caught on and storm out of their hut. Paul climbs onto the back of the beast. Excited by its newfound freedom, the beast rears on its hind legs, causing Paul to nearly fall off. You were saying? Clancy hops on and they take off. Cut to exterior, the salvage block, later. Paul and Clancy watch the beast joyously digging a hole amidst an endless junkyard of scrap ships, rock formations, and strange out-of-commission technology. Clancy nervously looks over his shoulders. Okay, that's deep enough. It can never be too deep. Yeah? Let's see how you feel when this place is swarming with watchers. I don't care, they're powerless now. Do you really believe that? Or do you need to believe that? Paul doesn't even look at Clancy, focused on the beast, another beat. Frustrated, Clancy snatches the scroll from Paul and tosses it into the hole. The beast diligently starts filling it in with dirt. What are you doing? Beast, stop! Paul lunges forward, but Clancy stops him. Paul, that's enough, it's over. Paul struggles once more. Clancy holds him closer. Paul fights back tears. The two embrace. Suddenly, a hand grabs Paul from behind. Prelap. Knock, knock, knock. Cut to exterior, front porch, later. Now in the real world, 
Paul and Clancy stand with disgraced postures on the doorstep while a neighbor, female, 50s, shakes her head scornfully. She's holding a small Pitbull Poodle Mix, a.k.a. The Beast. Paul's gear looks more like a child's Halloween costume now. Clancy wears a baggy hoodie. Paul's mother's size. Cut to interior kitchen later. Paul sits at the dinner table, his parents across from him. Running around with your cousin? Stealing a dog? What's gotten into you? She tries to go on, but father puts his hand on her forearm. We actually need to talk to you. Right. They both look at each other awkwardly. Your mom and I, we're getting a divorce. Paul smiles. You can't. What? What? You can't anymore. I got rid of the divorce papers. Father looks over to the kitchen counter. It sets in. Buddy, that's not how it works. (laughs) Well, then why did you sign those stupid papers? The papers are a formality. This is happening with or without them. How could you be so stupid? Or do you just not love me? Paul, don't talk to your mother like that. Then I want a divorce from you. Paul. I hate you guys. I don't want to live here anymore. Enough. Go to your room. Shut up. Now. Cut to interior Paul's bedroom moments later. Paul slams the door and flops onto his bed. He begins to sob into his pillow for a moment, but gathers himself. He sits up and glances at the window. The camera revolves around him, and we transition back into the hut from the opening scene. Outside the window, the desert landscape and low-hanging sun are on full display. A close-up on Paul. He lowers his goggles. Cut to black. Bin! (laughs) In conclusion. Okay, well, there you have it. It took a little while to kind of get that ending, as we predicted in the. Well, they Blue don't Sky know that portion. they weren't listening to that part. <laughs> oh well, we're just being honest. I'm being honest with you, and um, we had. Should I start that again? <laughs> Let's start that again. Let's just. I'll just start. Okay, again. cool, cool. Okay. Well, there you have it. Uh, great little family adventure Let's sci-fi. <laughs> you start this one. You start this. All right. As another script under the belt. Yes, I think that's what they say. Um, that was fun. We got we went we got, we got very sci-fi with it. We did, and I'll be honest. I feel like you were super into how much you could use sci-fi and the mostly the Star Wars, Star stuff, Wars yeah. world. Yeah, you were really enjoying, it. especially the action. Like this is the most detailed action we've done yet. That's true. And yeah. uh, it, I think it would have been five pages maybe if we, if we, but I'll be honest, you did set the world by doing that. Cause we were, we, we write these together, but there's moments and each script is a bit different. Someone takes like, go, gets into a rhythm and it's like, okay, it starts writing more. And this one, I felt like you were just like really feeling the, the lore. Yeah. Yeah. Cause really I could, it. I could see the world in yeah, my yeah, head, yeah. you know, in the mid journey inside my brain. I could, I could really feel that. Yeah. Um, it was fun, but we—I was, I was going to say—we made a sci-fi fantasy slash fantasy film uh, with a family channel slash family drama hook to it. Yeah. So we achieved what we set out to do. I was—I was saying this to you earlier. I think when we paused for a bit, the cameras where I was like, there was a moment when we were leaving Blue Sky and going into the writing portion, when I'm like, oh, I think this is finally today's the day. And I feel like I feel like that every time, mostly. But it's like today's the day where we're going to find out we're just flukes and we're not going to come up with anything. But we stumbled onto a pretty decent script. Yeah, for sure. Hopefully. And I'm, I'm really happy with the ending. I think it, it like really ties the whole thing together. It's open-ended, but at the same coin, on the same coin, it kind of, uh, it, it closes that loop. Um, I really wanted to color in, we were talking a lot about sort of the subtext that y'all would never actually see and like, okay, so... Uh, he's going to go to a junkyard. So that's the salvage planet. He's going to go get the beast. So that's the, the neighbor's backyard. And it's the dog. Uh, and and the, cave, space- the cave is a doghouse. And the cave is a doghouse. And the little bicycle-like spaceship that we struggled to make sound cooler is his bike. You know, it's it's all these things. And then there was like the lizard man and stuff in the Mos Eisley spaceport. Um, and that's his cousin's friends hanging out in the basement. And that's his cousin's stoner friends hanging in the cousins. And I really wanted to bring back four eyes to kind of call it back to really layer that in there but it just kind of felt shoehorned in so those are my only like i wish we would have done i wanted that like more flushed out well just like little tiny callbacks that can sort of paint the world but like it would have just maybe been messier messier just like less lean yeah i'm on the i feel you and yeah that is i know that's one of those things where it's like it's a first draft right so 
we are when we're writing writing these first drafts we're trying to write them as if they're not first drafts because let's be honest in a first draft you're, you're almost like let's get it on the paper right let's finish the page and then on the second draft we'll go color these things in where we'll do a callback and like that's how i like doing it too where it's like you have these ideas and you get it out and then when you go for your second draft you're like ooh. He says this in the sixth page. On the second page, I'm going to foreshadow it because now I know mm. this is going to happen on the sixth page, right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But because we know we're going to read this out and people are going to listen, people are going to listen to it. We're like, oh man, let's just add these things now. But it's hard for us to kind of control that sometimes and not really f- f- like this is still a very rough script. But it's really hard for us to do that because we're like, we're going to present this. To yeah, people. yeah. Like the perfectionist inside yeah. me is just yelling like, no, no, one more pass, yeah, yeah, one more yeah. pass. And I feel like this section is is quite often dedicated to us being like, it's a first draft. It's raw. <laughs> and we kind of have to dismantle that perfectionism yeah. in our brains to uh, in order to get through it. But on that thought, uh, on that thought, though, uh, one thing about it, even though we didn't go back or we didn't afterwards show four eye lizard is the four eyes um, and we didn't kind of clarify the cave was the dog uh, house. Uh, we didn't clarify like all these oh, things, yeah, yeah. Uh, the tavern being the basement, all these things, right? A part of me, if we didn't clarify all of it, say the lizard joke, right? That would have been but a th- th- 10 page script there. Yeah. Just, yeah. But also by not clarifying, I'm hoping um, it leaves people with like, if say this film got made, right? Cause that's the thing we're, we're talking about this right now. I think it's a fun uh, exercise. It's a fun script that we wrote. Say you were to make this film after like three more passes. And even then, if we don't clarify too many of these things and you make the film and at the end of it, when you find out it's like, it was all like an imagination, imaginary dream. Um, I, I'm hoping people will then start thinking like, huh? So if the scroll was divorce papers, the beast was obviously a dog. Yeah. Okay. Oh, then that means when they went to the cave must've been the dog yeah, house. Yeah. I'm you, hoping you, people you are starting it. to put it yeah, together yeah, and sure. we don't have to tell them all these things because that's the fun. That's what makes you want to watch the movie again. You know, like Inception has so many <laughs> Inception has so many of those moments. I will mention Inception in every freaking episode, all right? Um, it has so many of those moments where you watch it again and you're like, oh, that's what that was mm, later and that's yeah. what that was before. Yeah, I think and, the logic is all still very sound. It's just like... I think so, yeah. Yeah, with four more passes, it would, it would be a oh, lot I'd more, be, yeah. but... Uh, but old, old Clancy got roped along for a, a harrowing journey with a pit bull poodle mix <laughs> that they rode to the junkyard. To the junkyard. Um, did you? So you said what you wish we could have changed. But I get all the callbacks make them stronger. That's a very good wish. Yeah. What's your favorite thing about this? The ending. Oh yeah, which we took forever to get to, dude. Yeah. Again, we were like, "What the fuck is the ending for this?" Yeah. And it was so simple if you think about it. Yeah, no, it was it was the most logical place to do it and the most short film way to do it yeah. ever, where it's just He's like, back in that world. you know, he puts his goggles on and then the fucking Batman dun, 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 plays and then you end it. You yeah. know, like, it's just such a awesome way. And maybe because that's like the freshest idea we had and it also like helped us finish writing it. Yeah. Maybe the relief of that, that idea like is what, make, what makes me like it more. But I do feel like it's the, the most succinct way to close that loop because like, we could have had four pages of like, you know, mom Honey, and dad. Honey, it's not your yeah. fault. Yeah, oh, we love you. We'll always love you. And like, you'll have two parents now and you'll get double Christmas and blah, blah, blah. It's like, all that shit's kind of not important. What's really important is how, A, Paul is dealing with it, which is escapism, and kind of the parents also not fully dealing with it. So like, Paul knew his parents were getting divorced before they told him. So he's already light years ahead of them and it speaks to the sort of like, uh, inability to communicate these heavy emotional topics to a nine-year-old and like yeah, it yeah, all yeah. it all just feels nice so in a way we did kind of gloss over the the divorce reveal but i feel like in real life we always gloss over the divorce reveal that was a very well very well said you know yeah like uh we're selling the house but i'm not moving into it <laughs> it's a circle yeah no for sure we we kind of did keep the heart that heart uh in it where it's like parents don't really want to go into the details and in the story we kind of just like you said gloss over it and paul does most of the talking almost about the divorce being like i know about it you can't do this you can't sign it and the parents are like and the parents who can't who don't know how to cope with it are just like go to your room yeah so it's like that's how a dysfunctional family might treat it right yeah or 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 a functional family like we like Fair. emotions are fucking Fair. tough for people yeah. to talk about yeah. so dysfunctional families quote unquote are technically sometimes the normal families because yeah how yeah what is normal you know what i mean yeah um 
uh, that's a deep question. Uh, but uh, what I, that, that's what we kind of realized because there was that part of us where we struggled to get the ending and we were like, yeah, the, the cheesy ending or the ending where they're like, oh, son, listen, it's not your fault. But And that could have worked. But we our reasoning wasn't even that it could take four more pages uh, or that it's um, it's too cheesy. I think we were like the perfectionist in us or the person in us that was like, why would I want to watch this movie? Mm. We, we both were like, would we be happy watching this film if it ended like this? Or would it be feeling a cop-out where it's like, give me something fun to end on because yeah, it's a whole yeah. sci-fi film we just watched, right? Yeah. And it's funny how we didn't think of the sci-fi ending at all. We just kept thinking how we end in the real world. And we needed that break and we talked about it. And when it came up, it was like the most obvious ending. Yeah. Like, how would you not... We started yeah. in the sci-fi world. Let's we end in that. We should go back. Because otherwise, it feels very weird to end just like, we're in reality and... Sorry, son, we're getting divorced. Okay, well, oh, boo, yeah. shucks, it's, ending. It's not exciting. It's not cinematic. Yeah. Especially because that's what the film is. Yeah, and it just extends that sort of, that metaphor of avoidance and, yeah. and escapism. Yeah, yeah 100%. Um, yeah, cool. yeah, I think we're, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to cover? Um, no, I feel great. Um, you know who I would love to, Jacob Tremblay, was that his name? Who's that? The kid who played the kid in Room. Oh yeah, I don't know. Probably yeah, it needs to be one of those like creepy young kids who are like super, so super acting, precocious. <laughs> yeah, and you're just like, why are you talking like that, you little fucking creep? Ugh. Yeah, we need that guy, not Hayden Christian. No, was no, who's the kid who played the Star Wars kid whose life got completely ruined? Oh, whoa, I don't know. What the that. Phantom Menace. I have no idea what this. Apparently, is. the kid like was playing like young Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, he he just. Jar Jar Binks guy just got fucked for life because fans are brutal. Oh, like that? Yeah. Oh, wow. They just hated it in Canada. Anyway. Any last thoughts? No. Have a great whatever day it is. The Blue Sky Podcast is produced by Adil Shamsi and John O'Hunter, edited by Justin Stevenson, and this voiceover recorded by Kevin Brown. If you have an idea for a prompt, email us at thebluesky at gmail.com or DM us at the Blue Sky Podcast on Instagram.